Son, in whom I am well pleased. This is the one, this is the Jesus who was singled out on that Mount of Transfiguration. God said, this is my beloved Son, hear Him. Jesus is at the center of God dealing with humanity. It's a, it's a Christocentric world that we live in. He's at the center. This is the record that God has given of His Son. See, see the Bible is the Word of God, but it's, it's, see, it's really it's the record that God has given of His Son. See, this, this, this is what testifies of Him. See, the, the Spirit of Jesus Christ is the, is the, is the Spirit of prophecy. They testify of him. He's at the center. He's the most important man you'll ever know. Knowing him is not optional. It's essential. This is essential to life. He said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. That encapsulates this person of Jesus Christ. He's the way. If, If you don't know him, you're lost. That's just how it is. He's the truth. If you don't know him, you're in bondage. That's just how it is. And he's the life. If he's not in you, you're dead. That's the way it is. And so, see, we make it our aim to know him, the person of Jesus Christ. Paul said, Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which through the faith of Christ, the righteousness, which is of God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto death. And brethren, that is the correct posture for every person in this world. That is the, that's the correct posture that we're supposed to have. And today we're going to look upon this truth about the Son of God that He said, I am one with the Father. He said, I and my Father are one. That's right. This oneness speaks of complete and total unity. He is the express image of the Father. What it says in Hebrews 1 3. All the fullness of the Godhead dwelt in the person of Christ bodily. That's what it says in Colossians 2 8. He was the manifestation of God in the flesh. He was the Word made flesh. See, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. See, Jesus is the manifestation of God in the flesh. There was absolutely nothing that Jesus represented, both in word or in deed, that was contrary to God. His words are God's words. His reactions are God's reactions. His judgments are God's judgments. His doctrine is God's doctrine. His wisdom is God's wisdom. His knowledge is God's knowledge. His focus is God's focus. His nature is God's nature. His thoughts are God's thoughts. His desire is God's desire. His determination is God's determination. His work is God's work. His rule is God's rule. 
His will is to do God's will. His purpose is God's purpose. His kingdom is God's kingdom. Jesus wants what God wants, and Jesus would do what God would do. When Jesus praised men for their faith or rebuked them for their unbelief, it revealed what God thought about them. When Jesus had mercy on sinners, it revealed the the merciful nature of God, you see. When Jesus was about his father's business, working diligently, we were able to see that his father is in the same manner, diligently working as well. Jesus said, I work and my father works. Jesus showed, he showed bodily that God is not slack concerning his promise. If you were to ask Jesus a question and God the same question, they would give you the same answer. They are in perfect, total, absolute, entire, homogenous, perfect agreement with everything. When Jesus took time to make a whip and then drove the money changers out of the temple, he lived out the reality that God is long-suffering but will by no means clear the guilty. If Christ was zealous for his father's house, that means God is zealous for it as well. Even when he was in the garden and he asked if the cup would pass from him, if it were possible, it testified of the great struggle of the one who was one with the father, who hated sin, and it was yet faced with separation from the father and being made sin. He suffered, the, see, he suffered the contradiction of sinners against himself. He was one with the Father. Because of this, he always does the things that please God. God reveals himself through the Son. God speaks through the Son. And anytime Jesus ever spoke a word, he said, it, I don't speak of my own accord, but the Father gave me a command of what I should say. Whoever has seen the Son has seen the Father. See, there is no variance. There's no variance here between the Son and the Father. There's there's no variance in His person. Here in the 10th chapter of John, Jesus is telling the Pharisees that no one can snatch those out of His hand that the Father has given Him. No one's able to do that. And no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand either. See? Jesus and the Father are one. If God is powerful, Jesus is equally as powerful because of his connection to the Father. See, they're one. They're joined. They're connected. If he asked God for 12 legions of angels, he would have sent them to him. Why? Because, see, he's one with the Father. No one's able to pluck them out of Jesus' hand, and no one's able that, that means that no one's able to pluck them out of God's hand either, see, because they're they're perfectly united, they're joined. Therefore, by default, if a person then rejects Jesus, they by default reject God. And Jesus verified that conclusion. He said, The one who rejects me rejects him who sent me. Why? Because Jesus and the Father are one. You see, they're, 
They're perfectly joined and un united. No one knows the Father except the Son, and who the Son shall reveal him. You see, so, so, so if you reject the Son, there isn't anyone left that can reveal the Father to you. Jesus Christ is the one one with the Father, and, and he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. There are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, and the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three, you see, are one. They're one. They're, they're perfectly united for a purpose. They're perfectly united for a work. They're perfectly united in, 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 in harmony and in unity. And they're unified and, and they're not competing against one another. And they're, they're unified. They're one, see? They're all working harmoniously together. They all know the mind of each other. They're all completely agreed. You see, they're one. Now, certain people believe and teach that this must mean that Jesus, God, and the Holy Spirit are actually the same person. And that there is actually no difference in between them. Now, I, I, I don't believe that any honest person can read the Bible cover to cover and can come up with this conclusion all on their own. This is something that most people that I've found who hold, hold to it have been taught by somebody else. And they hold to it because they have not properly considered the things that are written. For example, when an honest person reads Luke 3, 21 through 22 and believes it, they aren't going to come up with this conclusion. It reads this, Now when all the people were baptized, and it came to pass that Jesus also being baptized and praying, and the heaven was opened, and the Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, Thou art my beloved Son, and Thee I am well pleased. The Son was baptized down here. The Holy Ghost descended upon Him, and a voice came from heaven. You have three different personalities in three different locations. This account does not testify of a single personality, but of three personalities. What? Unified. Unified in one work all doing the same work, all working together in harmony. See, there are, there are too many considerations that must be ignored to embrace the thinking that God and Christ are the same person. It is written that God is a spirit. See, God, God will reprove anyone. God will reprove those who think that he is like us. See, God is a spirit. But you see, Jesus was made like unto his brethren. It stated that God is not a man that he should lie. However, Jesus is referred to as the man, Christ Jesus. God cannot be tempted, but Jesus was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. See, God is not mocked, but see, Jesus was mocked. He was mocked. That's what it says in John 10. 18, after he was mocked, see. Jesus humbled himself. Jesus had to, he had to lay aside the prerogatives of deity and he had to humble himself. See, God has never been humbled. The heavens have never been vacated. In order for Jesus and God to be the same person, the heavens would have had to be vacated. 
Jesus said, But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son, but the Father. See? That's a, that's a reality. Jesus is waiting in anticipation for the time when the Father is going to send the sick. See, he's waiting with us. See, Jesus is, is sharing that fellowship with us. That he's, he's way. It could be today. It could be today. And I could come back. See, see, we have this fellowship with Jesus in his return. See, God always does his will, as the prophet Isaiah told us. He always does his purpose. He always does his will. But Jesus laid aside his will when he said, Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And you see, we could go on and on, but the point is, is that Jesus and God are one, perfectly united, but yet two separate personalities. The same language is used for a, for a husband and a wife. It said, the two shall be one, one flesh. It's the same word used in Scripture. Does that mean that we've Somehow, once I became married, I, I lost my, in, my, my personality, and we became one personality. Or how about when the Lord came down during the construction of the Tower of the Babel and said, Behold, the people is one. That's the same word used. Pilate said unto them, he said, Shall I crucify your king? That's what he said. Pilate did not personally crucify Jesus, but... But it was attributed to him, see, because he gave the order. John 19.23 says, The Roman soldiers crucified Jesus. Then in Acts 2.36 it says that the Jews crucified Jesus. Does that mean that the Jews and the Roman soldiers are the same person? Or does it mean that the Roman soldiers crucified him because Pilate gave the order, because the Jews delivered Jesus into their hand? And they were see, they were unified towards a different. There was a different kind of unity going on there. It's written in Genesis forty five twenty seven that Joseph sent the wagons to his father, but in Genesis forty five nineteen it says that Pharaoh sent the wagons. Does that mean that Joseph and the and Pharaoh were the same person? No, Joseph carried it out, but Pharaoh ordered it. See, they were they were Pharaoh's chariots. So the work was attributed to Pharaoh. So in the scripture, when it says that God raised up Christ in Acts 2.24, and Jesus said that he had the authority to take up his life again, it means that ultimately God is the one who did it, see? Yes, amen. He had to depend. Jesus had to depend on the Father. And Jesus is God's ultimate representative to mankind. Yes. See, Jesus is the King of kings. And the Lord of lords. And he rules for God. He is a servant forever to God. When we submit to Jesus, see, we're submitting to God. I've heard people argue over this point. That should, who, should we, who should we worship? Should we worship Jesus or should we worship God? Jesus is God's representative. If you yield to the police officer, you're yielding to the state. You see? It's that kind of a thing. I mean, imagine if another country shot a rocket over and hit the state of California. The headlines would read, North Korea attacks the United States. Not, North Korea attacks California. Why? Because the, the, the states are united. 
They're the United States of America, see? There's a oneness. That doesn't mean that the states lose their individuality. To say that Jesus and God are the same person is a grave misrepresentation of the truth. And it's only possible because these things have not been thought out. So we, being many, are one body in Christ. And everyone, members of one another. Does this mean we lose our individuality or our personality? Or does this mean that our personalities are united and one? See? See? God said, to him that overcomes will I give to eat of the hidden manna and will give him a white stone and in the stone a new name written which no man knows except him who receives it. See, I, I, I look forward to that personal reward and you all should too. But that's, see, that's part. That's just a part, see, of this unity. The unity of the Spirit. And I'm talking today about Jesus and the Father being one, perfectly agreed. When you are joined to Christ, you become part of this oneness too. It says, he that, it, he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. See? We who have been born again and have been joined to the Lord, who have been raised to walk in newness of life, we who are new creations in Christ Jesus and abide in Him, we are one spirit. See, we're, we're united together. How, how is it that you can meet a brother that you've never known your whole life? Go over to some other country or, or go to some state when you're traveling and meet someone you just met him and, it, and you talk to him for five minutes and it seems like you've known him all your life. Why is that? Because see, there's this one spirit. That you're united and you're, it's, it's one spirit. You really, you really, there is a sense in, in which you really have known him all your life. See? In the, in the, in the true sense of the word. word. This is why, this is why, see, if, if a person hates his brother, then, then they abide in death. This, this is how we know we pass from death to into life. This is how we know that we love the brethren. Yes. Why do we love the brethren? Because see, we're one spirit. We're, we're, we've, we've come into this oneness, see. We've been given a, a tender and a responsive heart that, that's in perfect agreement now with the law of God. Yeah. See, that he, he wrote the law on your heart. And so now when you hear it, you say, amen, that sounds good. Why? Because, see, we're, we've come in, we're coming into this oneness with God. We prefer what God prefers. We love what God loves. And we hate what God hates. And, and we collectively have the mind of Christ. Co- collectively now. There's, there's one mind. There's one mind. And as we mature in faith, and we become more like Christ, and therefore we become more like God, we become godly. And as we become closer to the Lord, and as a result, we become closer to one another. See, there's this, there's this unity, there's this singularity that we're all moving towards. And Jesus prayed that this would happen. Yes, right. And the Lord answered and is answering the prayer. Amen. He said, neither pray I for these alone. It's his uh, uh-huh. apostles, disciples. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. That's us, brethren. Yeah. That they all may be one. Yes. As thou, Father, art in me. 
and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. See? There's a oneness. When it comes to God's salvation, see, it's a unified salvation. As we're maturing in the faith, we're coming closer together to the singularity. We are therefore endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit. Even as you are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. See, there's a oneness. There's a, there's, a, there's a unity. And I thank God for that blessed arrangement. That God has made an effective way to be known through the Son. And for the blessed unity that exists between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And that dwells in us and abides in us. And God is making a, a habitation through his body. And he's going to dwell in us. It says, I will be with them and will be their God. And we will see him face to face. And anybody who has that hope in him purifies himself. Even as he is pure. See, there's a oneness. There's a oneness that we're coming to. We purify ourselves because, because we're coming into a oneness. Because that doesn't comport. See, we're coming into a oneness. And it's the will of God. And this is the truth that Jesus, that Jesus and, and, and the Father are one. This is the truth that Jesus the Son and his Father in heaven are certainly one. And if you see Jesus, the Father you see, for him and the Father do always agree. His will and his purpose, his manners and way, his thoughts and his actions and the things he doth say, all perfectly one in our harmonious truth, the sight of the Father and Jesus deduced. That they are the same person is a teaching invented. God's never been humble, but Jesus descended. This ought to have not been so speculated that if Jesus came down, heaven was vacated. God, he knows all, but Jesus, he grew and leaned on his father for all that he knew. God is not mocked, but Jesus, he was and laid down his life and is bearing the scars. And if Christ is in us, like God is in him, this oneness is shared in his saving of men. And you'll want what he wants and you'll hate what he hates. And in deity, we all shall be quick to relate till we all come together in all of our measure to a unified bride full of unified treasure. The fullness of Christ, O saint, can you hear it? To the oneness, a glorified unity of the spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brethren. Brother Robert has her comments.